way that you speak to yourself matters. But we all know that navigating that inner critic can be challenging at times. And I want to help you learn how to change the way that you speak to yourself and become more mindful about your inner dialogue with the support of regular journaling. That's why I'm so excited to share the Feel Good Journaling Masterclass with you. It's my first ever masterclass and I'm going to be sharing all my tips on how I use journaling to reframe my self-talk and boost my confidence. I'll be taking you through my five-step process to reframing non-supportive self-talk through self-reflection and journaling exercises and giving you practical tips and ideas of things you can implement straight away to start improving that relationship with yourself. I'll teach you how you can flip those not so good feeling words, those phrases that you repeat to yourself that are just not helpful into power words and motivational affirmations that you actually believe in and that will keep you feeling empowered and uplifted as you face even the most challenging low confidence days. It's time to turn that voice in your mind into your own motivational coach instead of your worst critic and journaling can be such a powerful tool to help you unlock that. If you want to join me for the Feel Good Journaling Masterclass on Wednesday the 30th of November, head on over to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash masterclass to find out all of the details. I'm so excited to share all of my top tips with you guys. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash masterclass now or click the link in the show notes to register and save your spot for free. I can't wait to connect with you all through the amazing frameable virtual event space and to share all of my top confidence boosting tips with you. So we're starting with a listener's question today, which is a little bit different to what we normally do when we have listeners questions. We normally pop them at the end of the episode, but I think this question is a great springboard for us to build this whole episode around. This question comes from Carlina and she wrote to me and said, I want to ask about uncertainty. Some of our activities we can control and some we can't. But as an overthinker, sometimes uncertainty can be a serious problem, especially when I think about expectations. For example, I want to have certainty about a job interview, but I don't hear anything for three days. Then I become fidgety over the next few days until I get the answer. It's so very uncomfortable living on this uncertain planet. I'd love to learn how to cope with it better. I think a lot of us can relate to Carlina and her question. I know I certainly can. Uncertainty is always an uncomfortable feeling. But since 2020, since the pandemic, since the lockdowns, uncertainty has become a feeling that can activate a lot of other big feelings for us and quickly turn into fear and anxiety. So how do we manage that? How do we learn to control that feeling when we live in a world where there's so much that is out of our control? That's what we're going to dive into today. My name's Laura, a teacher turned creator but you can think of me like your new internet big sister. And each episode of Fill Up Your Cup, like a deep and meaningful conversation, 
in the form of a voice note from a friend who never wants you to feel alone in what you're going through. Whether your confidence cup is dried up or your self-love cup is looking a little closer to empty than full, I'm gonna teach you how to add more feel goodness back into your different cups and as a result, your life. So, pop in your headphones, cozy up with a warm cup of tea or whatever takes your fancy and let me troubleshoot your problems with you because together and with the right mindset, we can face anything. So where are my people pleasers and perfectionists at? Are you in the house today? Are you listening? Because if you are, this episode is going to be just what you need. It's going to be your cup of tea. I like to consider myself a perfectionist in recovery, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist, if you will. So I fully identify with that need to control things, especially when things feel extra out of control. I'm a former teacher after all, we are very good at micromanaging. Um, My fiance calls me out on it all the time, which I am very grateful for because sometimes I don't even recognize that I'm doing it, that I'm trying to micromanage things or over-organize these minute things that really don't need micromanaging or organizing or controlling. But it is a coping mechanism. It does help me feel quote unquote safer or more in control at times. And I recognize that in myself, but I also want to be completely transparent with you all and say that this is something that I definitely have to work on and sometimes something that I have to work on daily because it's a habit that's built into me for years and anyone who is a perfectionist or who can identify with being a recovering perfectionist and people pleaser knows that, that this is something that you developed as a coping mechanism probably in your early childhood and that habit is really deeply rooted in you and those deep-rooted habits are very hard to break especially in the moments when we're activated and we have a lot of big feelings because it's a lot more difficult to be mindful in those such situations to activate that problem solving or growth mindset thinking when we are in that kind of survival mode. It's just the way that our brain is built, unfortunately. So we've got to learn how we can manage it, overcome it and soothe ourselves through it. Carlina's question was one of the very first questions that ever got added to our podcast suggestion cup, which by the way, if you do have a question like Carlina or something you'd like to share, you can reach out to me and add to our suggestion cup by going to larajaneillustrations.com forward slash podcast or by clicking the link directly in the episode notes. But when I read Carlina's question, when I, when her email came through, I was like, yes, This is a great question. This is a great topic, super relatable, super juicy content to dive into. And then I was immediately hit with that imposter syndrome, that self-doubt on bringing this topic to the podcast because I knew that by talking about this topic, it would mean I would have to get vulnerable. I would have to get really real with you. And that's what I'm gonna do today, lovely listener. I am putting my hands up and saying, hey, I don't have all the answers for this one because I still battle with this 
a lot myself. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I think that that's really part of the point for us recovering perfectionists and people pleasers. Being able to recognize that problem solving and problem solving skills aren't actually about having the answers or instantly knowing what to do next or instantly knowing how to fix things. That's a big one, isn't it? Feeling like we need to fix things. I'm sure my people pleasers and perfectionists who are listening, that word is probably sending shivers through your body. You can fully relate to that feeling and that feeling of dread as well when a situation presents itself or someone comes to you with their own situation that they're going through and you suddenly feel like you have to fix this because that's kind of a really big part of that people pleasing and that perfectionist is being a fixer. And very often because we step into that role, we kind of attract more of those situations because people in our lives see us as a fixer because we often put ourselves forward to be a fixer. But problem solving is not about fixing. It's a lot more about creative solutions, about trial and error. It's not about one answer to solve all problems or one solution to fix things instantly or knowing what that solution is instantly. Today is not about fixing mode. I'm not going to try to fix your problems or your challenges, and neither are you. We're going to learn how to move through them and how to adapt that growth mindset so that when we go into this panic mode, when we feel the need to fix, to control, to micromanage, that we learn how to recognize that in ourselves and how to soothe ourselves through it so we can get out of this survival mode or this panicked mindset, bring ourselves to a place where we can actually look at our challenges and our problems from a clearer mindset and approach them with that growth mindset, with that problem-solving thinking, that creative thinking. Because remember, when we are in that panic mode or that survival mode, especially when we're anxious or fearful, it's very difficult for us to access creative thinking. So we're going to look at how we can soothe ourselves through these moments to let go of this need to control and this growing panic that comes from not knowing how to fix or control the situation and instead learn how to soothe ourselves. It's not about fixing. I don't want to fix this for you. You don't want to fix this for yourself either. What you want to do is learn how to soothe and manage these feelings. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I think Carlina's question is very relatable, especially now especially in the year 2022, especially after the pandemic, because we are all still in a sort of survival mode that we adapted in the first lockdowns. And as a result of that, those uncertain moments in life, which there are many of right now, let's be honest about that, they activate all of these big panicky feelings in us And we, again, we feel this need to fix things and to get out of the uncomfortable feeling as quickly as possible. But the more that we reach for that solution, that quick fix, the more panicked and uncomfortable we often feel because we can't come up with that quick solution. For a lot of things in life, it's not about the quick fix, but obviously that uncomfortable feeling is not where you want to stay either. Carlina's question made me think a lot about... 2020. I identify as being a people pleaser in recovery or a recovering perfectionist. 
And this has been something that I've been working on for a really, really long time. I think it was back in 2000 or 2014 or 2015 that I read Sarah Knight's book, that best-selling book that you've probably all heard of before, which is The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving an F. You know the book that I'm talking about, The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving an F. It's it's a bestseller and it's a really great book because it looks at this topic of people-pleasing from a really comedic point of view it's very it's a very approachable read but it definitely lit a spark in me in terms of recognizing that these people pleasing perfectionist habits that I had are actually things that I could change because before reading this book and before kind of questioning that about myself I kind of accepted that being a people pleaser and a perfectionist was a personality trait and that it was something that was a part of me that I can't change. And we talked a little bit about that in last week's episode when we were looking at that self-talk and that narrative that we tell ourselves. That's one that comes up quite often. That was one of those five lies that we tell ourselves. This is just a part of who I am. And for me, people pleasing and being a perfectionist was just a part of who I was before reading that book and before questioning and looking at the fact that I could actually change this if I wanted to. It's not going to be easy, but I can work on it. So I definitely have been working on it a lot. It's still something that I work on. But for me, I think when the pandemic hit in 2020, I took a major landslide backwards in my work on being a people pleaser and a perfectionist because there was so much uncertainty in that moment that I really fell back into those habits of what can I micromanage and control to help my myself feel a little bit better about the fact that there's so much in my life that I can't control. And it wasn't even necessarily when the pandemic initially hit. When that sudden change happened, I definitely went into a sort of survival mode like everybody else and it was just like, okay, this situation's out of my hands, I've got to adapt. I was still in that very much growth mindset place. I was still in my problem solving place. I was just like, okay, I can't control this. What can I do? Just do my best. And and that's how I approached the lockdown. But when it really hit me was the other side of that. Come September when I went back to work. And again, this is something I've heard a lot of people talk about that Being in the lockdown, because it was something that was so strange to us and something that had never happened in many of our lifetimes before, there was a little bit of a novelty to it. It was new. There was, it was uncharted territory. So we weren't so hard on ourselves because there was nothing for us to compare our standard of work two in terms of working from home, working remotely, navigating this space. Yes, there was a lot of big feelings. There was a lot of big emotions. There was a lot of tearful days, uh, uncertain days, a lot of sadness as well. But I think what a lot of people can relate to is that when we reintegrate it and we start this, this narrative about going back to normal, that's when I personally struggled a lot with feeling like I had relapsed in my perfectionist and people-pleasing recovery, feeling like I had fallen back into these habits of needing to fix situations, needing to control situations, because now I had the comparison of what life was like now and what life was like before. And there was this kind of community push of trying to get life back to where it was and that for me activated all of these people pleaser perfectionist micromanaging tendencies to get myself back to the place and I and I realized 
after quite a few months that my resilience was shot. And anytime there was something unexpected, something unplanned for, the smallest, most minute things, it would send me into a spiral. So it took a lot of self-reflection and a lot of work to realize that this was a knock-on effect of having my life kind of turned upside down and then moving through this kind of big uncertain period in this almost glazed over state of just existing through something that was so out of control. And now being back in this place where there are things that I can control and overcompensating because of what I'd been through. And I'm sure many of you who are listening can relate to what I'm saying, or maybe as I'm saying this, it's also, you know, switching light bulbs on for you in terms of your habits. Now, dealing with unexpected situations, being more activated than they were before, maybe you can start to reflect on that yourself as well and see that similarity. The point that I'm making is that if you feel more fragile now than before, if you feel like your resilience has taken a beating and that uncertain situation sends you into a spiral, don't worry. We're going to work on it together. We're going to work through the steps. It's hard to be less of a perfectionist when you've been living in fixer mode for so long. But today we're going to take a few moments to work on that together. And I'm going to give you some steps that will hopefully help you move through that need to control the next time it strikes you to help you move through the need to fix in, and instead to start to think about things from that growth mindset and that problem-solving thinking. Because problem-solving, as I said, it's not about fixing. It's not about solving the problem instantly, but it's much more about being open-minded to potential solutions to what's in front of you. Keeping in mind all of the time that I'm working on this too. We're in this together, listener. There will be ups and downs. If you fall into old habits, old patterns, it's okay own it. Let's work on it as a community of recovering perfectionists and people pleasers. I feel like we need to make (laughs) t-shirts. I feel like we need like a a clubhouse or something because I know there's a lot of us out there. Let's talk about the steps. Here are our steps. There's going to be five steps that we're going to follow. I love to keep it simple. Three to five steps is just easier to remember. So we're going to have five steps to help us move through that panic mode when we suddenly feel like we need to micromanage, to control, or to fix something that's in front of us. So step one is going to be recognizing it and naming it. This is really important for any area of our emotional development, that recognizing the feeling and naming the feeling. It kind of takes a little bit of the power away and it helps you separate yourself from it. Something that I like to say to myself is I can't control this. I can't control this person's feelings or I can't control this person's behavior or I can't control this situation, but I am in control of how I respond to it. That is me recognizing the need to want to control the situation when someone says something or someone reacts to something, someone's behavior makes me uncomfortable, what someone says makes me uncomfortable, someone else's feelings are activating my feelings. The knee-jerk reaction sometimes in those situations is I have to control how that person's feeling. I have to fix them. I have to fix their behavior. I have to tell them. But 
I can't control other people's feelings. I can't control other people's behaviors. I can't control situations, but I am in control of how I respond to it. So recognize when those people-pleasing, perfectionist, fixer feelings are creeping in, identify them in yourself, name it, I'm in perfectionist mode, I'm in fixer mode, I'm trying to be a people pleaser now. Name it and identify it. A little bit like when we were working on reframing our self-talk, we talked about trying to separate ourselves from that narrative to kind of zoom out so we could take this outside perspective. A little bit the same here. Recognize when you're doing it, name it, call yourself out on it, And then remind yourself, say to yourself, I can't control this person, feelings, behavior, the situation, but I am in control of how I respond to it. Very important. So there's our starting step. We name it, we recognize it, we straight away take away a little bit of the power and we also kind of pull ourselves out of that situation so we don't go into those knee-jerk reactions so we don't fall into those old habits of just panic and trying to fix everything. Step two is to take a breather and deactivate yourself a little bit. We need to get to a place of calm. When I worked as a teacher, especially with the group of children that I had after the pandemic, and I know I keep bringing this up, but I feel like it's so relevant to this topic, But when we returned to school that following September and I had a new group of children, um, something that I realized very quickly was that these children, despite wanting to have been back in school for so long, having missed their friends for so long, that's something we heard so much as teachers in the lockdown, you know, I just want to go back to school and be with my friends and be on the playground. The reality was when they did come back to school after six months of not being in school around other people, around peers their age, they couldn't cope with each other and they would just get on each other's nerves all of the time. There was so many big feelings in my classroom and on the playground all of the time. We were always activated and it took me a couple of weeks to recognize that this really was not a good learning environment and that their activated feelings were activating my feelings and really there were so many weeks where we would get to the end of it and just couldn't wait to get out the classroom door to take a breather from each other. So I realized that I had to help them deal with this, to help them build up that resilience, to help them recognize that they needed to learn how to soothe their own feelings, not take them out on other people, but also not let other people's feelings um, become a part of them so that we, instead of constantly activating each other and having this emotional threshold go up and up and up and up, that we would learn how to self-regulate basically. And I used to talk to them about taking space. This was what we used as our kind of focus in our classroom and on the playground was this concept of space. When we recognized our big feelings, as we talked about them, these feelings that were so big that they filled up all of our bodies and often made us react in ways that were out of our control and and quite often physical reaction as well with small children, that when we felt those big feelings filling up, 
our bodies that we needed to take space and that we needed to learn to communicate to each other when we needed space. So we would use space to get back to a place of calm. And that was physical space. I encouraged them to say to your friends, I need a moment of space or to say to me as well in a learning situation, I need a moment of space. And we had a little egg timer where they would take that and they would go to a space where they could sit and just watch the sand go through that egg timer to practice their breathing, which we worked on together um, and that we learned how to, to do that independently and to get back to that place of calm. And we talked a lot about in our classroom how when we have those big feelings, when we're not in a place of calm, we can't problem solve. We're not ready for learning. We're not ready for play. We're not ready for being in a space with each other. We first need to take our space before we can work out the problems. And I'm sharing this with you because I think that this is something a lot of adults struggle with as well. And it's something that I've learned to adapt into my own life as well. Um, you know, I think using the example of when you're in a relationship with someone for a long time, you activate each other's feelings a lot. And there is sometimes those situations where the feelings are going up and up and up and you end up saying or doing things that you regret because they came from that activated state space from that activated state and so being able to say I need space or I just need a moment I need to think myself and Joe say that to each other all the time you know when one of us says you know what's up what's wrong and the other person will just say I you know, I'm thinking about something. I'm not ready to share it yet, but I will. I just need that space. And that's totally okay. That doesn't mean, as I used to say to the kids, like when someone says to you they need space, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be your friend anymore, that they don't love you, that they don't want to be around you. It just means that they need a moment to get themselves back to a place of calm. And then they'll come and they'll talk to you and they'll share with you when they're ready. When we get to that activated state of wanting to control, to fix, to people please, to problem solve from a fixer point of view, we need to take a moment to get back to calm. We need to take some space. We need to take a breather to deactivate those big mo emotions a little bit so we can come back down and see these challenges in front of us from a rational point of view because emotion is not rational. So a lot of the times we're not having rational thoughts. We're not ra thinking rationally. We're not thinking clear. We need to take some space and get back to a place of calm. Take a breather. Walk away from the situation if you can. Take a moment to be by yourself, to breathe deeply, to calm yourself physically and emotionally to get back to a place where you can have a calm conversation where you can look at this from a clear mind where you don't instantly go into that need to tell people what to do tell people how to fix it feel like you need to take control over everything once you're in that place of calm we're going to move to step three which is looking at the challenge from a clear state of mind we're going to state the facts. So when we're in that highly activated state of panic, anxiety that might trigger our fixer mode, we're not thinking rationally as we've already said. Once we've got ourselves back to that place of calm, we need to revisit this challenge in front of us that we're trying to problem solve. Whatever your situation is, it can be a big challenge or a small challenge. It doesn't matter what 
activates you personally is a very personal thing. So whatever your challenge is, whatever your situation is, once you're in that place of calm, you need to look at it from a clear mind and you need to state the facts. Just in the same way that we recognized and named and called ourselves out when we were moving into this activated, um, people-pleasing, perfectionist fixer mode, we now, now that we're back in this place of calm, we need to state the facts. We need to name what's happening. Now we need to avoid paraphrasing or dramatizing what's going on here. We don't want emotion to influence the facts. Feelings are not facts. Thoughts are not facts. Opinions are not facts. So what you feel about the situation, what you think about what's happening, your opinion on what's going on, that's not what we want here. We want the actual facts. What is happening or what has happened? What is the situation or the challenge? Name it literally. State the facts. Only the facts maybe you're gone into this activated state like in Carlina's question where you've done a job interview and you're waiting to hear back from the person that interviewed you. A couple of days have passed. You haven't heard back. You keep going into that people-pleasing fixer mode. How can I control this? How can I get the answer to this faster? Even though you know that you can't get the answer to this faster. So once you've recognized it and named it, you've taken your breather, you've come to your place of calm, you're going to state the facts. The facts are, I did my job interview three days ago. I haven't heard back from the interviewer. I don't know why I haven't heard back from the interviewer. Those are the facts. <laughs> There's no other information on the table. Your feelings might come in or your thoughts or your worst case scenarios might come in as to why you think you haven't heard back from them. But we don't need that information right now. What we need is simply the facts. Step four, now that we're in our calm state and we clearly know what's going on and we have the facts in front of us as they are, separated from our feelings and thoughts and all of those emotional influences, we're going to brainstorm some possible solutions. You might want to do this with a friend or a buddy, or if you have a coach that you work with, someone who's going to be a soundboard for you. It might be that this situation or this challenge is something that you might want to brainstorm with someone. So you are collectively looking for solutions together. And that can really help with this need to micromanage, control, and fix things that you're not taking the full responsibility for yourself. Now, that, again, depends on if you have someone that you can trust to do this with or whether or not this situation that you're in is something that you want to share with someone. But if you're in a relationship, it is a good exercise to move through these steps together and to do this brainstorming part together, whether that's a romantic relationship, a friendship, a family relationship, whatever it is. Again, if you feel comfortable. So we're going to brainstorm some possible solutions. We're going to ask ourselves some questions. We're going to coach ourselves through this a little bit. So we're going to look at the facts as they are and we're going to ask ourselves, what have we tried so far to help us with this challenge that's in front of us? What happened when we tried that? Again, sticking to the facts. What could I try next? Come up with some 
potential solutions. It doesn't matter if you don't know yet how you're going to act on those potential solutions. We're just brainstorming because problem solving is a creative activity. We're opening up to creative solutions, potential ideas, lots and lots of potential here. We're focusing on potential and giving ourselves lots of options. Because remember, problem solving isn't about fixing, it's a creative form of thinking. So ask yourself, what could I try? Come up with some potential ideas, some creative solutions, and then ask yourself, what else could I try? Really push yourself to get as many possible solutions out of this as you possibly can to really get yourself into that creative thinking into that problem solving thinking and to really push it as well and write them all out maybe grab some big paper maybe grab your journal maybe open up a new note in your phone and just brainstorm as many possible solutions to your challenge that you could try as i said you don't have to know how to act on it immediately but just a possible solution that you could try and make that list as long as you possibly can because when you see that list growing and growing and growing in front of you, then you're going to see, wow, there's actually a lot of different things I could try. This isn't as set in stone as I thought or this isn't so far out of my control as I thought. Look at all of these things that I could try because I am in control of how I respond to this. So once we have brainstormed some possible creative solutions and ideas for our challenge, we're going to move to step five, which is the most important step. We're going to choose a next step. We're going to think about what we will do and how we will do it. Um, I always think of uh, Ruth Cooper Dixon, who is the founder of Champs for Change. I did a bit of illustration work for Champs for Change a couple of years ago, and I was on a Zoom call with Ruth, and we were just talking about um, growth mindset and resilience, and one of the things that she said was that one of her pet peeves was the hashtag, it's okay not to be okay, which really made me laugh because (laughs) what she was saying was, yes, it's okay not to feel okay, But what are you going to do about it? It's not enough just to say it's okay to not feel okay. It is okay to not feel okay. But what are you going to do about it? So we're not feeling okay. We've recognized that. We've named that. We're in our controlling state. We're in our people pleaser, perfectionist, knee jerk reaction, our auto mode. And we we don't feel okay. And that's okay. But what are we going to do about it? We've worked through our steps. We've come up with some ideas. If we just leave those ideas sitting there and we don't take some action or we don't try and show ourselves that there are alternatives to this situation, we're not going to change our mindset. So we need to take some kind of action. What are we going to do about this? But remember, we're not trying to fix it. We're trying to just try out some different things. We're not trying to control. We're not trying to be perfect. It's not about the first solution that I try has to be the right one and it has to be perfectly executed. It's not about people pleasing. It's not about trying to respond to this challenging situation in a way that you think other people want you to respond to it. It's about coming at this challenge that's in front of you, looking at all of the potential things that you could do and choosing one that feels right for you because you are in control of how you 
respond to this. This isn't about what other people are going to feel or think. This is about what you feel or think about this situation, what you want to do in response to it. So we're going to choose a next step. We're going to think about how we're going to act on that next step, when we're going to act on that next step, what we might need to act on that next step, and what we would do after that next step. Because this solution that we're going to try, remember, it's a potential solution. It's one of our creative ideas. We have to go into this with an open mind being like, this might not work, but it not working isn't a lost cause because if it doesn't work, we're going to learn from that as well. And we're going to have something else to come back to for our next brainstorming session. And we can say, well, I've tried this and I've tried this now and that didn't help my situation. That didn't help me overcome this challenge. Let me look at my list or what have I learned now that can change or help me come up with different solutions. Let me summarize that because there's a lot in there. Here are our five steps. We're going to work our steps when we fall into people-pleasing, perfectionist mode. The next time you have a challenge and you feel yourself trying to micromanage the situation or you feel yourself thinking, I need to behave in a certain way because of what other people will think, going into that people-pleaser mode, that perfectionist fixer mode, here are your steps. First of all, step one, recognize it and name it. I can't control this situation, but I can control how I respond to it. Let that be your recovering people pleaser perfectionist mantra. I can't control this situation or I can't control this person's feelings or I can't control this person's behavior, but I can control how I respond to it. Step two is taking a breather deactivating yourself and getting some space to bring yourself back to a place of calm. It's only in that place of calm that we're going to be able to start going into that problem-solving thinking, that growth mindset, that creative thinking. Step three, once we're in a place of calm, we're going to very rationally state the facts that we know about this situation, what has happened, or this challenge that we're facing. What are the facts that we have? We might only have a very few facts, that's okay. We're removing emotional influence. We're removing what we feel or our opinion or our thoughts about the situation. We're stating what the situation or the challenge actually is. Step four is brainstorming some possible solutions. So we're putting on our creative thinking hat, our problem solving hat, remembering that problem solving is about creative thinking, thinking outside the box as well, not fixing. What could we try? What else could we try? What could we try after that? If we try this, what will we do next? What have we tried already? What happened when we tried that? What did we learn from that? So lots of thinking, brainstorming, fleshing out the situation, the challenge, and coming up with lots of things that we could try. Step five is choosing one of those things to be your action. To What are we going to do about it? It's okay not to feel okay, but what are we going to do about it? We can't control the situation, but we can control how we respond. So let's respond in a mindful way, taking some mindful action. Think about one of your potential ideas that you came up with that you want to try. Think about how you will try it, when you will try it. That's really important. And what you're going to do after to reflect 
on trying out this solution to your challenge. So there you have it. There is your five steps as a recovering people pleaser, perfectionist to work through, to soothe yourself through situations that you can't control when you have that feeling that you want to control something that's out of your control. Let me know, are you going to be working these steps this week? Are you going to give them a try? Reach out to me on Instagram at at fillupyourcuppod and let me know. Let's help each other out. I know my fellow recovering perfectionists and people pleasers are out there. Let's unite. Let's cheer each other on. Let's start a support group as we work through these steps. Remember, you can't control everything that's happening around you and that can feel really scary, but you are in control of how you respond and react and that's where your power is. You've got this. If you made it to the end of this episode, I want you to take a moment right now and remember that you are worthy of feel-good feelings. If you want to submit a question for a future episode or add to the suggestion box, you can do so by heading to laurajaneillustrations.com forward slash podcast or simply by clicking the link in the show notes. You can also leave me your questions, episode suggestions, or just let me know what you think of this episode by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to rate or review it on whichever app is your favorite place to listen to podcasts. You can't pour from an empty cup. So give yourself a big hug from me right now and promise me that you'll do one thing today that brings you joy.